Do me a favor. That bag beside you, grab it. Okay. Tell me what it smells like. Crayons. <laughs> now look what's inside of it. What? That doesn't... <laughs> huh. Now smell the paper. Like, it's the paper. <laughs> yeah. I got that at the um, bachelorette party I went to last weekend. <laughs> That's so weird. Why does it smell like crayons? <laughs> but I but that, I was given the bag because I, I won one of the door prizes. And I was like, this smells like crowns. So I opened it. I was like, that is not what I was expecting. <laughs> I was expecting the candle to smell like crayons. Yeah. So I, I left it there because I wanted you to experience the same thing I just did. That's so interesting. Huh. It was amusing to me. Okay. What's up? Hey, that's hey, Rachel. That's Grace. We are Miss and Misfortunes. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's never going to happen again. Never again. <laughs> We're a paranormal and true crime podcast. And each week we pick somewhere in the world and base our stories on that place. And or surrounding areas. However, this week we're continuing in the same place. <laughs> I might not be. You might not be? I might not oh. be. So, we are still technically in Chicago. In Chicago. <laughs> Again, with the singing of the Chicago. I don't Chicago. know why. It's that, that victorious episode. Anytime somebody mentions Chicago, I just think about her sister doing that awful one-person play. Of Chicago, the musical? Yeah. <laughs> okay what is your story well my story this week is the well-known story of hh holmes Ooh, ah, woo. and the crowd goes wild <laughs> okay my sources are mysterioushicago.com crimeandinvestigation.co.uk biography.com there are a lot of these (laughs) thefamouspeople.com biography.com allthatsinteresting.com crimemuseum.org britannica.com and wikipedia Mm. alright let's start with Herman Mudgett woo no No. (laughs) I know okay but just his name amuses me Mudgett. Mudgett yeah it's really funny because I know I've seen pictures of one of his descendants. His great-great-grandson? Yeah. Yes. It's so weird how similar they look. Yes. <sighs> I would agree. Yes. Okay. So, Herman Webster Mudgett was born in New Hampshire in 1861. He was the third of four children born to 
Theodate, Paige Price, and Levi Horton Mudget. Horton hears who? Some good, some good names there. Although they were an affluent family, they also had their problems. His father was apparently an alcoholic, and it said he often took out his frustration on the children. Mm. Yes. Herman was also bullied as a child. In one instance, some of the other kids found out that he was afraid of doctors, so they broke into a doctor's office and forced him to stand in front of a human skeleton, and some sources said that they made him stare at it, but others said they made him touch it, or they made it touch his face. Either way, gross, it sort of triggered something in him, a sort of fascination with death, more like an obsession, really. Anyway... He seemed to be unusually intelligent, even as a child, and after all of that, he began expressing an interest in medicine, which allegedly led to him practicing surgery on animals. Allegedly. No! Yeah. Some accounts suggest that he might have been responsible for the death of a friend as well, but could not confirm. Rude. You don't do that to friends. Or animals. Or people. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe your enemies every once in a while, but, uh, no. But not regular people. Gotta clarify, that was a joke. Yes. He graduated from the local high school at the age of 16, and two years later, he went to the University of Vermont, but left after a year because he was dissatisfied with the curriculum. Yeah, all right. Did he want more dissecting? I guess. I don't know. On July 4th, 1878, he married Clara Lovering, and their son, Robert Lovering Mudgett, was born on February 3rd, 1880. In 1879, he enrolled at the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery, where he was apparently a mediocre student. (laughs) I feel like we hear this a lot. We do. We really do. There are these really intelligent people who are mediocre students. It's because you get bored. Yep. I remember. No, I'm not going to compare myself to serial killers. I'm not doing it. I mean, <laughs> you pretty much did in our episode for Lorze France. Lazare? Lazare, yeah. Um, that's because something. Okay, look. <laughs> they describe a lot of serial killers as loners, like who aren't. who were intelligent, but not very interested in people. And I feel like I relate to that sometimes. I think most millennials relate uh, to yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. But um, not that I think I'm more intelligent than anyone or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, during his time at in Michigan, he found an interesting way to make money. Mm-hmm. Seeing as how he now had access to new resources... <laughs> He began stealing cadavers from the medical lab, disfiguring the body, and planting it somewhere so he so it looked like there had been an accident. He would then go to the life insurance company with an insurance policy for his deceased relative and collect the cash. During all of this, he was able to pass all of his exams and graduated in June of 1884. He actually almost didn't graduate because a widowed hairdresser accused him of making her a false promise of marriage. Oh. Yeah. While he was married. <laughs> so. One of those. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was married during this time, so. I mean, it's not, not possible. Yeah. Because of some other stuff that happens, but. After his last insurance scam there, which he got $12,000 out of, hmm. he realized he was starting to get noticed, so he disappeared leaving behind his wife and child. 
rude. Yeah. He moved around the country doing a number of odd jobs at various places, including New York, where he was the last person to have been seen with a missing little boy, and in Philadelphia, where he worked as a pharmacist, until a young customer died after taking pills that he provided. Hmm. Yeah. All the while, he continued to scam people out of money, although in different ways, and disappearing each time before getting caught. To avoid being tracked down, he changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes and made his way to Inglewood, just south of Chicago. In 1886, he married another woman without divorcing his wife, and five years later, he actually married another woman. (laughs) So, I guess it's just sort of what he does. So, him... He probably did propose to that woman. First of all, boy, how you have that much time for that many women? Psychopath. Okay, I guess maybe. <laughs> Don't know. Don't know. I am I very know. greedy with whoever I'm in a relationship with. I mean, there are with. plenty of people who are in, like, polyamorous relationships, yeah. and they manage it, so. But the, it's consensual. I know. I'm not saying it's the same thing. I'm just saying they're <laughs> able to handle having relationships with multiple people. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just saying all the wrong things today. (laughs) Uh, uh. Anyway, in 1886, he took a job at a local drugstore owned and operated by Dr. Elizabeth Holden. Holton. Holton. Holton gave Holmes a job, and he proved to be a hardworking employee, and he eventually bought the store. A lot of books say that the Holtons were old and that the husband quickly disappeared, leading to Holmes buying the store and getting rid of Dr. Holton. But the truth is that they were actually only a few years older than Holmes, and both Holtons survived through the early 1900s. So the true story uh, is that Dr. Holton sold Holmes the store, likely because she was pregnant with her second child and wanted to focus on her family. Okay, makes sense. Holmes purchased an empty lot across from the drugstore, where construction began in 1887 for a two-story, mixed-use building about the size of a city block. So huge. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 1892, he added a third floor, telling investors and suppliers he intended to use it as a hotel during the upcoming World's Columbian Exposition in 1893. (laughs) I don't know why I keep doing that. It's just that the 1800s are so far away. They, They are. I mean... Holmes took on the role of project architect, making sure he had total control over everything, and people called the project the castle because it was so huge. The real title was the World's Fair Hotel because that's what he told people he was building it for. Yeah. Holmes hired several different contractors to complete the building's construction. Every so often, he'd fire one if they thought they were seeing too much. Most of the workers never lasted more than two weeks. Uh, Altogether, nearly 500 men worked on the building. Yeah. He managed to get away with not paying most of them, too. Yeah. He would accuse them of poor worksmanship or theft and refuse to pay them. Some of them would sue, but he managed to put them off long enough that they would eventually give up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. After construction was complete, he moved the drugstore to the ground floor and rented out spaces to other shops, including a jewelry store. His personal office was on the top floor. Did this have an elevator or did he just like run upstairs? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I never said anything about elevators. I mean, realistically, I three floors stairs. isn't that much, but... I assume there are stairs. Okay. But yeah, his personal office was on the top floor. 
And Holmes placed ads in newspapers offering jobs for young women and advertised the remaining spaces in the castle as temporary lodging for young single women. Mm. Yes. Specifically young single yes. women. He also placed ads representing himself as a wealthy man looking for a wife. But those extra spaces, not really lodging. Wife number five? I mean, he did meet her here, but... Yeah. Um. So those extra spaces... Were actually, whew. there were soundproof rooms and a labyrinth of hallways, some of which seemed to go nowhere. Many of the rooms had chutes that would drop straight down into the basement. There were hinged walls and false partitions. Some rooms had five doors and others had none. There were <laughs> five doors? Yeah. So uh, wait, hold on. If there were no doors, how did you get in? I don't, I guess just it drop- just dropped them down. Yeah, I don't know. But then how did he get in to retrieve the body? Maybe there was only one door. Okay. I don't know. That's what... There was a window. (laughs) Just just hanging out there in the top left-hand corner. Uh, There were stairs leading to nowhere and doors that that could only be opened from the outside. Holmes's own apartment had a trap door in the bathroom, which opened to reveal a staircase, which led to a windowless cubicle. In the cubicle, there was a large chute that tunneled through to the basement. Pull the lever, crunk. Ugh. Yeah. Sorry. It's pretty rough. (laughs) Too soon. That's rough. All of the doors and some of the steps were connected to an intricate alarm system. Whenever someone stepped into the hall or headed downstairs, a buzzer sounded in Holmes' bedroom so he could prevent people from finding other victims or stop people from escaping. Mm. Yeah. All of Holmes' employees, hotel guests, fiancés... And wives were required to have life insurance policies. Holm paid the premiums as long as they listed him as the beneficiary. You know how that goes. Uh-huh. Most of his fiancés and wives would suddenly disappear, as did many of his employees and guests. People in the neighborhood eventually reported that they saw w- many women enter the castle, but they would never see them exit. So, how did these people die? <laughs> He would kill some of his victims by locking them in an airtight room that was lined with gas fixtures, leading to them asphyxiating. (sighs) He also had a room called the Secret Hanging Chamber. Gross. And a room that was like a large bank vault where he would close the door and suffocate people, like, because it was so airtight. He would often perform experiments on his victims, like one of the rooms was lined with asbestos. So, and he would study the effects on people. And in another, he would lock people in who would die of hunger and thirst just to see how long they would survive. Pretty rough stuff. In his basement laboratory. (laughs) You good? I understand that he's doing this for scientific purposes, but there are better ways to go about this. Um, I feel like people already know the answer to these things. And that's why he's doing them. I feel like he... Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. In his basement laboratory, corpses were dissected, stripped of flesh using acid vats and quicklime, and he crafted the bodies into skeleton models. Yeah. He then sold them to universities and medical schools. He also had a crematorium. For what purpose? Getting rid of the bodies. Ah, this man. Yeah. Um, so one of the jewelers, Ned, had a wife named Julia, who Holmes, 
hired as the bookkeeper after firing the one he already had just for her. Because he took a special interest in her. Oh, I'm sure he did. Right. They began having an affair, and once she became pregnant, Ned divorced her, leaving her and their daughter, Pearl, with Holmes. No, Ned, you don't do that. That, no. Who immediately took out life insurance policies on both of them. (sighs) Julia and Pearl disappeared around Christmas that year, and are suspected to be his first murders. Some people think that Julia just knew too much about the business since she became the bookkeeper. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, but he mo- he told most people that Julia had died while getting an abortion, which people assumed he did himself. He originally told people that they went to visit family in, like, Iowa or something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, it's assumed he also killed Pearl. Soon after this, he met Minnie Williams, a railroad heiress, while on a business trip in Boston, and introduced himself as Henry Gordon. Yeah. Henry and Minnie exchanged love letters until in 1893, she moved to Chicago. Oh no. Yeah. This ends badly. Yeah. He offered her a job at the hotel as his personal stenographer. Holmes persuaded Williams to transfer the deed to her property in Fort Worth, Texas, to a man named Alexander Bond, another alias of Holmes. Mm. He then proposed to her and told her that she should invite her sister to live and work in the hotel, too. In one of my sources, it said that he asked Minnie's sister to go get a file from his vault, and when she went in, he closed the door and locked her in. Yeah. A short while later, Minnie vanished, too. Once the World's Fair had ended, Chicago's economy wasn't great, so Holmes basically abandoned the castle and moved down to the property he got from Minnie. Oh, boy. Yeah. During this time, Holmes stole horses from Texas, shipped them to St. Louis, and sold them, making a fortune. Of course. He was arrested and sent to jail for this. While in jail, he concocted a new insurance scam with his cellmate, Marion Hedgepeth. 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 Basically, he was going to fake his death and give Marion some of the money. Once Holmes was released from jail, he attempted this plan, but... The insurance company was suspicious and didn't pay him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holmes then decided to attempt a similar plan in Philadelphia. So, Benjamin Peitzel. Yeah. He was a man that Holmes met during the construction of the castle, who became his right hand, basically. So, this time, he had Peitzel fake his death, and Peitzel's wife, Holmes, and a crooked lawyer they hired would all split it. Or the insurance money. Yeah. However, during this scam, Holmes actually killed Peitzel by chloroforming chloroforming him and setting his body on fire and collected the money for himself. So he wouldn't have to share it. Yeah. He told... Oh my god. I I wrote pretzels instead of (laughs) Peitzels. What the fuck? Anyway, he told Peitzel's wife that he was in London laying low and that's why he hadn't come home. I'm sorry. Pretzel. He told Pretzel's wife. He told Pretzel's wife that he was in London. (laughs) Ugh, Pretzel's wife. Jeez. But yeah, he told her that he was in London, and that's why he hadn't come home. He also convinced her to give him three of her five children. (sighs) Do not give a strange person your children. And, like, I kind of understand her reasoning, because... Her husband was gone. Yeah. 
she had all these children to take care of. Didn't she also have a, have a baby? Like, she was taking care of the yes, baby and the older... The one that stayed with her yeah. was the baby and the 14-year-old, yeah, I think. Yeah, the oldest daughter. The two middle children. Yeah. Three middle children. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the three in between those. <laughs> this, this is the downside of working on the same story. <laughs> I know, yeah. He traveled through the U.S. and Canada with these three children and finally forced... The two girls into a large trunk, locked them inside, drilled a hole into it, put a tube into it, fed gas into it. Yeah. It killed both of them, and then he buried their naked bodies in the basement of a house he was renting at the time in Toronto. But why naked? I don't know. That's just one creepy. Um, By this time, authorities were already on his trail, and Detective Frank Geyer, who was assigned to investigate Holmes and find the three missing children, found the decomposed body of the two Peitzel girls. Bodies of the two Peitzel girls. One really fucked up fact that I found was that one of the girls had her um, had her feet cut off because, um, well, they think that he did it because Geyer said that one of the girls had a clubbed foot. Oh. And that Holmes probably did it in order to hide her identity. Which That's... Up. Uh, Geyer then went to Indianapolis where Holmes had rented a cottage. Holmes was reported to have visited a local pharmacy to purchase the drugs where he used to kill the boy. Yeah. Yeah. And he went to a repair shop to sharpen the knives he used to dismember the body before he burned it. The boy's teeth and bits of bone were discovered in the Holmes chimney. Rough. The teeth and which bone? Um, bits of bone. That's oh, okay. Marion Hedgepeth, who was his, um... Wife? No. The jail, um... Oh, the Oh, my partner. God. Jail yeah, partner. the... Partner in crime. Guy he met in jail, who was supposed to be his partner in crime. <laughs> his wife. I was like, no. <laughs> no. I mean, he had so many. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, yeah, for real. Uh, but Marion Hedgepeth was angry that he hadn't received any money from the initial scam, told police mm. what Holmes had did. Thank you, Marion. Yeah. The police tracked Holmes, finally catching up to him in Boston, where they arrested him and held him on an outstanding warrant for another Texas horse theft. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's that darn horse theft that Get you every bite time. him in the butt. Yeah. At the time of his arrest, Holmes appeared as if he was preparing to flee the country, and police became suspicious of him. Chicago police investigated Holmes' castle, where they discovered how fucked up that place was. The caretaker told police he was never allowed to clean the second floor, which is so gross. You know that was That's disgusting. Very gross. Yeah. Ooh. But anyway... They spent an entire month going through this place, trying to make sure they found everything. They found women's hair, a woman's shoe, and a piece of gold chain, which is Minnie Williams. Mm -hmm. And they discovered his lab in the basement, where there was a table covered with blood, pile of bones, and (sighs) bodies that were so badly decomposed and dismembered that it was hard to determine exactly how many there really were. Now you know that place must have smelled disgusting, horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Along with the acid and lime pits that he would use to decompose the bodies, and they could only piece together enough body parts to prove that he had uh, that there were nine bodies in the basement. Mm, and there's only. probably more. 
Only. Only. Yeah. He confessed to nearly 30, but most people estimate that the number is more likely towards 200. Yeah. He was paid by a newspaper to tell his story. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of money. They actually paid him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like yep. uh, when Hulu paid uh, the Firefest guy to tell his story. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know about. what Firefest is? Nope. Okay. All right. <laughs> Anyway, th- basically, they paid him $230,000 in today's money. Yeah. No. Yeah. But What he... is he even going to do with that if he's, if he's in jail? I don't know. I don't know. But he never kept his story straight and would change the number of people he killed, the things that happened in his childhood, and some of the people he claimed to have killed were still alive. So. <laughs> he doesn't know who he killed. Yeah. While writing his confession in prison, Holmes mentioned how drastically his facial appearance had changed since his imprisonment. He began to he described his new grim appearance as gruesome and taking a satanical cast. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and wrote mm-hmm. that he was now convinced that after everything he had done, he was beginning to resemble the devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On May 7th, 1896, Holmes was hanged at the Moyamensing prison. Until the moment of his death, he was calm, nice, didn't show any sign of fear, nothing. Uh, Despite this, he asked for his coffin to be contained in cement and buried 10 feet deep because he was concerned that grave robbers would steal his body and use it for dissection. Oh, you mean like you did to everybody. Right. So Holmes's neck did not snap. Instead, he strangled to death slowly, twitching Good. for over 15 minutes before being pronounced dead 20 minutes after the trap had been sprung. Good. Yeah. The castle is... Castle. 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 It's a cat castle. Cat castle! That's a castle I want to visit. Me too. Um, The castle itself was mysteriously uh-huh. set on fire in August of 1895, According to a newspaper clipping from the New York Times, two men were seen entering the back of the building between 8 and 9 p.m. About half an hour later, they were seen exiting the building and rapidly running away. Following several explosions, the castle went up in flames. Afterwards, investigators found a half-empty gas can underneath the back steps of the building. The building survived the fire, somehow, and remained in use until it was torn down in 1938. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that's what I that's what I wrote <laughs> in two one in two one t two one t <laughs> two one t in 2017. Amid allegations that Holmes had escaped execution, his body was exhumed for testing. Um, it was led by Janet Mong. I'm not sure if I said that. Mong. Mong? I don't know. Of the University of Pennsylvania Museum of Archaeology. Archaeology. Archaeology <laughs> and anthropology. I don't know why I was going to say archaeology. <laughs> what the fuck? Archi- archaeology. It's the archaeology. Archaeology and anthropology. Due to his coffin being contained in cement, his body was found not to have decomposed normally. Ew. His clothes were almost perfectly preserved and his mustache was found to be intact. Ew. The body was positively identified as being Holmes uh, using his teeth. And he was reburied. Fun fact. The best fact. Okay. 
journal the journal of american medical association wrote about him uh about his autopsy after yeah. his death making sure it was actually him or whatever and he, they <laughs> they said that he had an unusually small penis <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was hilarious yep uh yeah that's the story of h.h H. holmes that considered it... to be the first serial killer yeah yeah oh yeah the first of america anyway yeah Jeez. yeah he is a hoot man okay so what's your story rachel okay as much as i wanted my story to be in chicago <laughs> because <laughs> okay <laughs> that's enough i'm sorry well because i thought it was like you said, the H.H. H. Holmes murder castle right. was torn down in 1938 mm-hmm. and very shortly after replaced by the Inglewood Post Office. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, oh. not a lot of paranormal stuff happens in the post office. That's because it's higher up. You know, it's above there. It's above there. Yeah. All the ghosts are stuck like 30 all, feet all up All the, the ghosts air. are stuck on the second floor, right? Yeah. The second and third floor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um... But also, you know, it's a government building, so if anything paranormal would to happen, they wouldn't exactly want That's it true. to yeah. get out. But I did stick with H.H. H. Holmes, and particularly his, one of his victims, little Howard Peitzel. Oh. Poor boy. My sources are findagrave.com. Roadtrippers.com, IndieStar.com, WeeklyView.net, and an episode of Ghost Adventures. Oh, man. Of course. And the majority of my story actually does come from Ghost Adventures, (laughs) unfortunately. That's okay. It's a... Okay, so... On October 5th, 1894, H.H. Holmes strolled into Irvington, Indiana. He paid a month's rent for a quaint little cottage located at Julian and Maple Avenues. He claimed that this property would be used by his sister, Mrs. A.E. Cook. Okay. He had a sister, right? He had uh, a sister and... He, yeah, he had three other siblings. Okay. Just making sure. Pretty sure, yeah. Because I thought I heard you say that. He moved in shortly after with what the neighbors said was only a 10-year-old boy and a coal stove. What's a coal stove? Like one of those, you know the uh, wood-burning stoves? Yeah. Just use it for coal instead of wood. Gotcha. Okay. You know, worse for the environment, but, you know, probably warmer. Five days later, he drugged Howard with cyanide, killing him before he attempted to burn the young boy in the stove. Oh, God. When that didn't work, he went to work trying to bury the evidence. The bottle of cyanide of potassium, specifically, Mm. was found buried in the barn behind the house. Howard's feet were found buried in the basement, and bone fragments were found left in the stove, as you said. They cut off his... He cut off his feet, Cut off his feet! Huh. Because his... the, The feet were charred, so he did try to burn them. Mm-hmm. But they didn't actually burn. Okay. So to keep from having all of the evidence left in the stove, he right. wanted to bury it to get rid of it. Also found in the stove were a portion of the stomach, liver, and spleen. Ooh. 
other body parts found around the property were the pelvis, teeth, and jawbone. We know the ending of the story because... I just told it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But there is more. Maybe, maybe not. The house passed through several hands after that before finally being sold to William C. Bryden in March of 1910. Bryden then divided the property into eight lots, three facing Julian Avenue and five along Good Avenue. Apparently, the original house was picked up and moved to a spot um, on Good Avenue. There is some debate as to if the house that I'm focusing on in the story is the original house or not. Right. According to one story, the brick foundation of the basement of this house strongly resembles that of many houses built during the time. Right. So there's very good evidence that it might be it. The current owner of the house is Samantha Starbright. Mm -hmm. I showed you the picture. However, when she and her mother moved into the house... They did not know that it was haunted. It took three years for the spirits to make themselves known to the family. Samantha actually could remember her mother saying, just before her mother's passing, I feel the spirit of H.H. Holmes has just went inside of me. Oh, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Followed by, sweet dreams, Howie. Mm, no. Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. Don't think so. At one point, Samantha did something that you should never, ever, 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 ever do. Oh, she didn't. She played with a Ouija board. <laughs> and she did it by herself. Oh, buddy. Which is even more dangerous. Oh, buddy. The, appa- the apparent. <sighs> the entire time that she was usi- using the Ouija board, she believed that she was in contact with little Howard. Oh, However, as time went on and she was talking to the spirit more, she realized that it was more malevolent than she originally thought. Mm. She even began to be marked and scratched in her sleep. No. Uh... Is it possible that this is H.H. H. Holmes or more of a demonic presence? Could be either because she's dumb. Well, H.H. H. Holmes is quoted to have said, and I'm glad you didn't quote this. I was born with the devil inside me. I almost did. I couldn't. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer no more than the poet can help the inspiration to song. Yeah, I was going to put that, but I was like, it's already so long. I need to cut it. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't because it helps. All right. So it is rumored that people who live in the little subdivision there Mm -hmm. do not go out at night. They don't have cookouts, bonfires. They do nothing for fear of encountering the ghostly figure of H.H. Holmes. He is supposedly seen walking the streets late at night. No thanks. Knocking on windows and doors, trying all the doorknobs to see if they're unlocked. He's apparently looking for Howard. Oh. Um, I'm not sure if that's actually true or not. It's just one of those things that has been repeated. Mm Mm-hmm throughout the neighborhood in order to explain i don't know maybe someone breaking in yeah during the episode of ghost adventures of course because you know i use them yes oh oh i did realize sorry i realized on a side note why i call him zach baggins why i was listening to the audiobook for the hobbit mm-hmm. the other day and oh, i guess oh yeah bilbo baggins yeah <laughs> 
so my mind just instantly wake oh zach baggins yeah makes sense of course he's a hobbit yeah a hairy little hobbit (laughs) (laughs) okay sorry back on topic um wait is he a is he a frodo or is he a i think he's a None of them deserve the role of Samwise. So. No. We'll I just drop it. We'll drop it. You, you go. You do. Okay. Your thing. Do your thing. Now, they don't do this for all episodes, but they brought in a medium. Mm-hmm. Um, however, nothing much really happens with her there. She does mention that Howard followed them into the basement because she could see him. Oh. And he liked that she could see them. See him. They also hold a spirit box session with her while they are down there. And a voice comes through the box and it says, The Haunting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Very self-aware. Very self-aware. Coincidentally, during this time, Zach is upstairs meeting with a historian for the neighborhood who brought him some treasures mm. that were found that belonged to H.H. H. Holmes. One of those was a lock of hair that was tied together with string. And it is believed by many that the, this hair belonged to Howard. Oh. So when the lock of hair was set inside the threshold of the house is when that voice came through on the spirit box. Do you think it was like um, a trophy that he kept? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's why I said treasures. Right, right. During this time, they also caught two other voices. One I really couldn't hear at all, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there weren't any vowels or consonants. It was just kind of mm. like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However, the second I clearly heard say, I hate. Nothing else, just I hate. All right. They did bring in the great-grandson, Jeff Mudgett. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And during an EVP session with him there uh, they first tried to contact little Howard and then H.H. Holmes and when trying to contact H.H. Holmes Jeff got really dizzy mm. and kind of disoriented right before the entire team hears a door moving Ooh. they did not catch it on camera but you can hear it because you know it's one of those very de- defined <laughs> yeah then, just as they are starting their lockdown, Zach steps into a cold spot as soon as he walks through the door. Mm. And the cold lingered. I mean, it clung to him. Even one of the team members who came up and touched his leg where he claimed it was just kind of hovering. Yeah. He said that his leg felt cold to the touch. Weird. So, like, imagine touching ice cube. Ugh. When the team was upstairs in Samantha's bedroom, they were talking to the spirits, asking questions through um, a puck device, mm-hmm. which allows them to type out the question they're asking. Cool. And then the spirit is supposed to answer back with one or two words of text. Oh, okay. So during this time, Billy begins coughing and feeling like he's being choked. Oh, when Zach asks the device what is happening to Billy, the device says kill. Oh, shit. So Zach flips his shit and asks, how are you killing Billy? It responds, cough. Cough. Because, you know, he yeah. was just coughing and I said he like, felt like yeah. he was being choked. Which, 
I mean, it is very impressive because if it's just the environment giving off random words, it's super coincidental Mm -hmm. that it gives off cough while Billy is in a coughing fit. And he did actually have to leave the room because he wasn't able to breathe. Oh, Like, immediately after that. In the same room, this just creepy room altogether, they also placed a geophone on a giant stuffed rabbit that was sitting on a chair above the covered hole in the floor that would have been where the chimney chute was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That began to show a very dramatic temperature increase in a matter of seconds. Ooh. It went from 71 degrees to 76 degrees. Oh. In the middle of June, at night, when the furnace isn't turned on. Weird. Now, I would understand if the temperature increase had happened in the period of, say, an hour to half an hour. Right. Because, you know, you get a bunch of bodies in the room. It does gradually mm. increase in temperature. Yeah, but it doesn't go like, boom. Yeah, not, I mean, and you you can see it on the video. It goes 71, 72, 73.5, and all the way up to 76. So, then Aaron, poor Aaron, he's left in the room alone. Oh, buddy. Always. The geophone then proceeds to pick up EMF energy and a child scream. Nope, nope. Is heard from within the house. And the temperature goes up again to just below 77 degrees. Oh, I don't like that. When this happened, Aaron falls backwards and screams. He apparently saw half a man standing in front of him. Like, straight down the middle, half a man. What? Yeah. He booked it out of the house and back to base camp. I do not blame him in the least. Creepy, right? Yeah. I don't like that. This was my favorite part and ties in with that little demon thingy. When Zach goes upstairs to get the camera that Aaron accidentally dropped. Accidentally. <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> like that. Um, he was carrying an SLS camera, which um, maps figures mm-hmm. that are in front of you, whether they're there or not. And three figures were appearing on the screen, standing right outside of the bedroom. There were three figures that appeared on the SLS screen, just standing outside of the door, guarding... Three? Guarding the bedroom door. Huh. Creepy. Yeah. (laughs) And the best part. Once the figures disappeared off the SLS camera, the EMF reading stopped as well. And to add insult to injury, all of the cameras simultaneously shut off. (gasps) In the entire house. Oh. That's... I don't... Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... For a house that I've never heard of, this place really put on a show for the guys. Yeah. Like, and that's, I didn't even say everything that happened. I just kind of picked and choosed. That's crazy. It, it was, yes. And obviously this is, this is a private residence, so you can't actually go to it. That's why I did not give the actual address, even though I have the actual address. (laughs) Yeah. But it is a part of a ghost tour if you go to Irvington, Indiana. Hmm. I think we should go. (laughs) Well, not right now. No, not right now. (laughs) But, you know, just... Yeah. Just to go experience the ghost tour and maybe pay respects to poor little Howard. Yeah. And his family. Because most of his family was killed also. Yeah. So, that's my story. I'm so sorry. That's very, very short. Okay, thanks for listening, guys. 
Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Myths and Misfortunes or Twitter at Myths Misfortune. Or you can search for us using our full name, Myths and Misfortunes. We do pop up. You can also send us an email to MythsandMisfortunes at gmail.com. Our music was composed by McKean Fulbright and our art was created by Heather Marie Atkins. Their websites can be found in the descriptions below. Please rate, review, subscribe. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>